Welcome to State of the State, the monthly roundup of policy and research for the state of Michigan, brought to you by the Institute of Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State University and our friends here at WKAR Studios. I'm Arnold Weinfeld, Associate Director for the Institute. I'm joined by my co-host, Institute Director Dr. Matt Grossman and MSU economist Dr. Charlie Ballard. Later on, we'll be joined by our guest, Dr. Eric Youngke, a political science professor at Michigan State University who specializes in, among other topics, U.S. electoral institutions. And with the election just over two weeks away, that seems to be a timely topic. So let's get right into it uh, with our two favorite subjects, uh, politics and the economy. And uh, with the election less than two weeks away, why don't we start with you, Matt, and uh, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about the trends in voting you're seeing. Uh, I've seen uh, some figures on absentee ballots that seem astronomical as compared to four years ago, but what are you seeing out there? Well, that's true. Uh, over a million people have already voted in uh, Michigan, and we will expect those numbers uh, to climb. Uh, of course, uh, Michigan really did not have the same kind of early voting system that it now has uh, four years ago. So it's really sort of uncharted uh, territory for us. Um, uh, but overall, uh, Biden is uh, leading in the national polls. Uh, Democrats and Biden are uh, both uh, spending a lot more than Republicans, raising and spending a lot more. Uh, and uh, the trends seem to be uh, moving a little bit in the Democratic direction. And, and what are you seeing, Matt, in terms of uh, the trends? You mentioned the, the million vote, voters. Um, uh, and, and I know I was in an MSU Votes uh, meeting yesterday and uh, the numbers for East Lansing and Ingham County, those who have requested ballots, uh, absentee ballots, uh, is, is phenomenal as compared to four years ago. Well, again, you can't really compare to a time when you had to have a excuse to get an absentee uh, ballot and voters weren't used to using the system. Um, but uh, certainly it's a sign of uh, renewed interest. And uh, according to national polls, uh, Biden is ahead by about 40 points among those who say they have already voted. Now that of course doesn't mean uh, much because uh, most of those people are people who ha would have voted on election day. Uh, and have just displaced those votes to earlier. Um, but it certainly is a sign uh, that Democrats are uh, ready and uh, excited uh, to, to vote. Um, but I would caution that um, in uh, both the 2016 and the 2018 elections, we saw uh, early voting enthusiasts talk about uh, Democratic advantages um, building over time, um, only some of which materialized uh, when all the votes were counted. But there does seem to be this general narrative that um, early voting, voting by mail, absentee voting, however you want to characterize it, does, does favor Democrats. Is that true? Well, there's a trade-off because uh, early voting has a, a higher failure rate as some people uh, don't uh, follow all the instructions, don't uh, have a signature matching in Pennsylvania. You even need to have both envelopes in there or it doesn't count. And uh, some people don't get their votes back on time. Now that doesn't mean it's a loss because uh, there is also likely to be some effect on increasing voting among people who might not otherwise show up on election day. It's just a trade-off between those two things. Um, the only thing I wouldn't read too much into is to say, you know, here's what's happened uh, so far with the votes returned, uh, unless you're counting for whether those people would have voted anyway. 
uh, in which case it's just a displacement of a vote rather than a, a real change. Mm -hmm. And Charlie, what about the issues that uh, might be impacting the election? It seems, seems a little odd right now that we have a uh, sitting president uh, with an economy that you know, for some is doing well, for others is not. Certainly uh, COVID-19 has had an impact on that. Um, who knows when the next stimulus will, will be coming? What, what do you think, how's the economy gonna play a role in this election? Well, uh, certainly President Trump is trying to make the case that the economy is in very good shape. Uh, based mostly on how the economy was until February of this year. Um, the, uh, the COVID recession has been a very painful one for millions and millions of Americans. April of 2020, by many measures, is the worst month in the history of the U.S. economy with 20 million jobs lost. Now, since then, we've, we've bounced back um, with the help of that big stimulus package that was passed. It, it appears to me that we um, could use some more of that because a, a lot of that money has now run out. Um, uh, the enhanced unemployment insurance, um, the uh, PPP loans, um, and there's ongoing negotiations about some sort of new stimulus, but that's, that hasn't happened yet. So what, what I have seen is that the economy, after uh, a horrendous fall in the spring, um, bounced back uh, somewhat, uh, it, by many measures, kind of regained about half of the of the lost ground um, between April and and September. Uh, but um, the the rate of that increase has has slowed down, uh, and so um, you know I I've, as in line with many economists believe that we will not get back to quote, normal, end of quotation, whatever that is, or anything close to normal, until uh, we've got the virus much more under control than we do now. Um, and so many of the forecasts suggest that the economy might be able to return to its pre-COVID uh, state by sometime in late 2021 or, or in the first half of of 2022. And, and so um, you've got a very mixed message, uh, mixed bag. It, it is true that the economy was doing pretty well until February. Has not done well since then, although it has bounced back from some of the drop. Uh, one thing that I think the Biden campaign has tried to point out is that aggregate measures of economic activity can be misleading because what had happened before February and what has really happened since then is that um, higher income workers have generally done pretty well. The, even before COVID, those who were doing less well were, were those at the bottom of the wage scale. And that's been exacerbated by the uh, pandemic because the job losses have been disproportionately among women, minorities, and households with, uh, with lower incomes. And so um, I, I predict that when we get the, uh, the Census Bureau report for 2020, that won't be until next September. Uh, I think we will have seen a huge increase in income inequality uh, following upon the 40 year trend that we've had toward increasing income inequality. Yeah, there, there seems to be a little question in the readings that I've done 
that um, the pandemic has provided an opportunity for an acceleration of changes in the workplace, in how business operates, advancing technological uh, work situations, whether it's work from home, how that all pans out remains to be seen. Um, but I, I think there's little question that the pandemic has, uh, has uh, as I said, um, exacerbated, as you noted, income inequality, as well as um, working conditions, uh, changing working conditions uh, being uh, sped up. You, you mentioned uh, the economy over the last four months, let's say, four or five months. And it is interesting to me, back in May, when our revenue estimating conference here in Michigan, when, when they met, they were predicting, you know, billions of dollars in budget deficits. And by the time we got around to August, uh, with that infusion of CARES money, and I might, I might say that Michigan did very well uh, among the states to distribute that CARES money, um, one of the top states, I believe, in, in, in the, its distribution patterns, um, all of a sudden the budget wasn't quite as bad as uh, we thought back in May. Um, so yeah, you're right, that should send a clear signal that some additional stimulus is needed until we get back to whatever normal might look like. Yeah, Michigan's budget is, um, uh, uh, in May, looked horrifying. It now looks only bad. It's a good thing that we, um, over the last decade, we did accumulate more than a billion dollars in the, the rainy day fund, which can be used. In, and, and also, some federal government support has, has helped to, to keep um, keep the situation for Michigan state and local government from becoming uh, even worse than it was. But um, uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. There's no question about it. Uh, and uh, the lawmakers in the state of Michigan, um, uh, who fortunately have, none of them has been kidnapped yet, but uh, those uh, lawmakers in, in Michigan face uh, a lot of challenges trying to, trying to uh, go through this. So Matt, let's get back to the national political uh, scene for uh, a moment. Michigan, uh, you know, for many national elections now has been a key player. Um, I think that was uh, the standard, uh, even going into uh, last week and certainly the events of last week um, with the uh, kidnap plot uh, thwarted uh, uh, against our against Governor Whitmer, has even heightened uh, Michigan's place uh, in, in national politics. And while uh, the Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, right now holds a nine, eight to 10 point lead, depending what poll you see, uh, the U.S. Senate race here between the incumbent Gary Peters and the challenger John James is categorized by many as a dead heat. Uh, what's going on there? Well, that's right. There are a lot more undecided voters in the Senate race than the presidential uh, race. And uh, Gary Peters has not been able to consolidate uh, Biden supporters uh, be behind him. He started the race uh, as the most unknown, had the most people saying they don't know if they uh, find him favorable or unfavorable of any senator uh, running uh, for re-election uh, this year. Uh, and uh, he has sort of kind of maintained a, a bit of a nondescript uh, image uh, throughout the campaign. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he is able to consolidate support. Uh, Michigan does have 
uh, some uh, partisan ballot voters. Um, and so he will get some help uh, from that if uh, Democrats do win the state uh, at the presidential level uh, by the amount uh, that they're currently ahead in the polls. Uh, but John James has again uh, run a good campaign uh, that has separated himself more from Trump uh, than the Republicans running for uh, re-election. Uh, and so uh, there, there's at least some chance uh, for uh, it to go another way. But if Biden wins the state by eight or nine, it is extremely difficult uh, to, to see him pulling it out. There will be some Biden James voters, uh, but, but not that many. Um, One of the changes that was uh, passed by voters two years ago was to reinstitute straight ticket, straight party ticket voting. Um, and, and so, if you want to, you can fill in the little bubble on your on your ballot for just voting straight a straight ticket, um, and it's widely believed that that would help Democrats more than it would help Republicans. Although right, right. we'll see, I'd forgotten about that when I got my ballot and and noticed that. So I do wonder about the impact of that. And Matt, what about uh, more on the national scene? There's a lot of talk of uh, the possibility of uh, Democrats uh, taking control of the Senate. What, what do you see as the chances of Democrats controlling both houses of Congress as well as the president's office? Well, the models overwhelmingly have Democrats retaining uh, control of the House, so it would be a huge surprise if they don't um, do that. Um, and they seem to have a better than even chance at the moment, if you uh, believe poll-based models of winning control of the Senate, um, because they're ahead in uh, Colorado and Arizona, uh, and then they have options in uh, Maine uh, and North Carolina, um, probably their best options, but then also uh, quite a few others on the board uh, from two races in Georgia to Montana, where they have some chance. And um, th that is kind of how, how people are seeing the, the Michigan race. Um, that is, it, it, there could be a, a candidate advantage for James, but uh, in a year where uh, Democrats uh, are gaining, um, you really don't expect someone who won by 14 points in a Republican-leaning year uh, to, to then uh, lose once he's an incumbent in a Democratic-leaning year. That's why it's just such a surprise that he really hasn't uh, generated a big lead uh, at the moment. Well, uh since we're talking about forecasting and uh, national races, let's uh, welcome our guest, Dr. Eric Yonke. Eric, uh, welcome to the program. Appreciate you taking time here today. Um, and uh, why don't you talk a bit about the work that, uh, that, that you do uh, on electoral politics? So my work, my research is focused on elections, particularly state legislative elections across the United States, um, which is the kind of elections most uh, political scientists uh, disregard it, uh, at least in the minority politics literature, which is where, where my work is situated. So I study elections involving uh, Black and, and Latino candidates um, in particular, but also Asian American candidates and, and Native American candidates, other kinds of candidates. Um, and for the last 10 years, we've been trying to code, meaning um, um, observe the race, gender, and ethnicity of every candidate running for state legislative office in the United States, which is thousands and thousands of individuals. And using that data, we can then tell a, a broader story about American representation. And what is, what is that research showing? 
So it's funny, we were just working on a public piece this morning. Um, one of the really interesting things, and it's probably not too much of a surprise, but it's, it's I think the surprise is in how stark the difference is between the parties and the kind of demographic profile of the two parties. Um, over the last 10 years, the majority of gains in uh, representational diversity are coming almost completely from the democratic side of the aisle. And, um, and what's interesting is you can see this before the elections. And so one of the, one of the patterns that kind of pops out in my research is that um, we often have theories around the idea that voters are choosing uh, who, who are, who's going to represent them. But of course we know that the parties, the parties are giving the voters the choices that they, that they, that are on offer. And our research has shown that the Democratic Party has been giving more diverse choices to voters, um, certainly over the last 10 years and historically speaking, of course, as well. But if you take the Democratic Party alone, um, they really do right now in 2020, we've coded 21 states already this summer. Um, it looks like the United States, roughly half of the candidates who are running as Democrats are women and um, roughly 40% of their candidates are candidates of color, uh, which almost perfectly matches the United States uh, demographically. On the Republican side, um, I think we have about 22% of their candidates are women, which is much, much lower. And I think less than 10% of their candidates are candidates of color. And so we can kind of see the, the partisan choices that they're making in terms of who's running, who's supported, who's recruited, and that's biasing the choices that voters are being given at the ballot box. And our research, I'll just to, to wrap up, our research has shown that it doesn't really matter um, to voters in a partisan race, whether a, a candidate is, is black, Latino, woman, um, certainly those candidates face obstacles during the campaign, but in a partisan race, voters typically use party as a cue to make their choices. And uh, we've shown that the Republican Party should definitely be recruiting more diverse candidates to run because they will win. And tell us about your new project, uh, Election Madness. What's going on this year? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I I don't know how much in the weeds, you can cut out some of the weeds that I might get into <laughs> talking about where this came from, but um, this, I've been wanting to do this for years, at least for the last five to 10 years, I've been wanting to create a March Madness style um, game for the elections. Um, there were a lot of obstacles in the way to creating this. First of all, I have no idea how to do anything on the web, um, but luckily, or, or unluckily because of COVID this summer, I had a lot of time on my hands and um, I was not motivated to do much as I think most of us were not motivated to do much, but this kind of got me motivated every morning. And so I learned how to do some, some, um, some things, putting things together on the, on the web and that was fun. So I finally created this, what amounts to a pick'em game. Um, and we have 21 elections that were chosen because they had interesting dynamics or they were at the time, this was in June, July, experts were forecasting that these were gonna be very close races, which is important, uh, of course, for a game. And we're asking players to choose the winners of those 21 elections. And in each election, we have kind of calibrated points uh, just like you would in March Madness. So in March Madness, of course, in the, the basketball tournament game, there's 15, 15s who play ones, there are 14s who play twos. I probably have that wrong, but um, we, we, have, we have favorites and upsets. And sometimes the upsets happen. And if, if that happens in the game, you, you win the points. And so in our game, 
um, I'll go through just a couple of, of the um, of the elections I think that are interesting. We have Meyer Schulten in Michigan's third is one of our um, is one of our elections, and and right now we have Peter Meyer at four points and Hillary Schulten at at six points, and these roughly the points roughly correspond to how forecasters see their odds of winning the election. Um, I should say lose the election. So for example, Peter Meyer right now experts have again. Um, with, with uncertainty, they basically have this as a coin flip um, election, but with Meyer getting uh, his favor a little bit because this is a Republican district and he has name recognition. So he has about a 40% chance of losing and we think uh, Scolton has about, Shulton has about 60% chance of losing and so she gets six points if you choose her and four points if you choose him. Uh, another one I'll just talk about is the Harrison-Graham race. This is really interesting because in the summer um, we have this one at, let's see, you get eight points if you choose Jamie Harrison and he wins. So we had this as an 80% chance that he was going to lose and Lindsey Graham had a 20% chance he was going to lose. You get two points if you choose Lindsey Graham. But of course this race has really tightened up and so um, this, this seems like a kind of a prime candidate for an upset pick. If you were doing March Madness, you would have your experts saying this is, this is my lock upset. Uh, because the polls right now have this very close to 50-50. Um, although, if you look at the expert forecasts, they have this this race actually much, much lower. They think Graham's going to hold on um, for a number of reasons, despite the fundraising uh, disparities and the polls. So listeners can can play at electionmadness.org if they, if they want to join, and, and they'll be uh, competing with who? So right now we have over 3,000 students from across the country who are playing. Uh, we recruited a bunch of instructors from around the country to to use this in their classes. So that was that's kind of the that's the majority of people you'll be playing against. You'll also be playing against members of the public who might um, might join. Um, but most fun is you'll be playing against the experts. And uh, Matt, you you helped me recruit some really great experts um, to make picks. We're going to release those picks in a couple of days so that the students can use those to help frame their understanding of these races. Uh, Larry Sabado is one of our experts. Uh, G. Elliott Morris is another one. Two two very kind of well known forecasters. Um, we also have uh, a number of political scientists, yourself included, Matt um, Ana Sampaio, uh, Bernard Fraga, Parusha, and Kelly Dittmar from Cal. So we have, um, and then Chris Stout from um, Oregon State University as well is going to be joining us. So when those experts' points are released, you can kind of see, you can you can kind of play against them and see how well you do. Does money change hands in, in this? Uh, in, in March <laughs> Madness, uh, uh, billions of dollars are exchanged. Uh, is this a betting <laughs> market that you're running? We are not. We that's a great question. Um, we do not condone uh, betting. Uh, this is a an educational, for educational purposes only. But I do not. Uh, I'm not in your household, and I'm not going to uh, you know come in and, and uh, let, let's just say I have some friendly. I have some friendly wagers going with with some of my colleagues and friends. And I, that's a good point. We have um, an application that was created by uh, Matt's shop by uh, Jess in, in Matt's group. Um, where you can actually create a team. You can get your um, friends and family and colleagues to sign up. And then if you all wanna do some friendly wagers, that's, that's great. Um, and that application can be found on the website as well. So you can really, really kind of go full out with this March Madness 
I just thought I'd uh, share the story that in 1980, I was in graduate school and my dissertation advisor ran an probably illegal uh, betting market on the and early in, in early in the year, I bought shares of George H.W. Bush because I thought that he would do well in the New Hampshire primary. And he did. And then after that, I sold my shares and I profited by to the tune of two dollars and 80 cents. <laughs> That's great. Very good. Are any of these uh, experts uh, predicting this upset in the in the Michigan race? Uh, running against a, a Meyer in West Michigan isn't that like running against an Izzo for MSU trustee? So far, uh, of the I've only received two two expert picks. Uh, today's the deadline, so I'm receiving the rest of them today. Uh, nobody has picked that race, but I, I am actually picking that race. Um, You're picking Shelton upset. Yes. All right. And what uh, what 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 causes that uh, Shelton upset? Uh, I think a lot. I, well, again, I'm I'm wrong all the time, so you know, don't take my don't don't put any money on my words. But uh, um, I just think that the Democratic wave is going to be fairly massive, particularly for and it's going to carry a lot of these House races. So for the same reasons, we think Peters might. Uh, kind of be carried over the finish line. I think if you think that that race was 50-50 or 60-40 before we see how well the top of the ticket is doing, I think you, I think she has a chance. What I'd like to ask each of you is the popular uh, notion is that we won't know who won possibly for days or weeks. And uh, I think it will be uh, fairly clear uh, within 24 hours as to who our winner is. Uh, the issue to me is the lawsuits that will come afterwards, especially from those states that have close races, such as maybe a North Carolina, a Texas, a uh, Arizona, Nevada situation. Um, what, what do you all see as when this election might be uh, decided? Well, if it comes down to one pivotal state, as it did with Florida or Ohio in 2004, uh, the parties will certainly litigate everything possible uh, to gain an advantage. But if we have a situation um, where uh, one of the candidates, uh, especially Biden right now in the polls, is ahead in five or six uh, states, um, it's, it's just really hard to, to litigate that um, to a different resolution. So I think it depends how close it is. Um, but right now it's looking like we have a much better chance of knowing uh, on election night or shortly uh, thereafter. Um, the, sometimes people take the, the sort of worst case, uh, like California house races, um, where they really do change in the 10 days following the election. And they think that's gonna be true nationwide, um, but it's not clear that that's the case. For example, in Florida, they count the absentee ballots uh, much faster. And so, um, you know, if there's an indication there, uh, that that would obviously tell us a lot about the national race. Right. So, you know, the narrative here in Michigan uh, regarding those uh, absentee ballots, uh, been a lot of consternation about when we can start processing, even though the legislature just passed a law. But many states uh, that have had uh, early voting, vote by mail, absentee for years are much more expert and adept at processing and counting the ballots early. Is that correct? 
Uh, yes, which does mean that, you know, Michigan will be predicted to have a little bit more trouble because it's mm -hmm. a, a huge change compared to states like uh, Colorado uh, and Oregon that have been doing it for a very long time. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it really does depend on, on how close the races are. You know, if we start to see signs that uh, Joe Biden is winning states like North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, Iowa, then we really just don't have to wait for the final counts everywhere else. Uh, the chances that, uh, that Trump pulls it out is very low at that point. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Eric for being with us today. Um, Matt and Charlie, any, uh, any final thoughts? Passing your seatbelts, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here. Indeed, that's what I keep telling people. Buckle up. The roller coaster is just, uh, just about uh, halfway through, so many ups and downs and turns. Matt? And if uh, voters, uh, if listeners want to play the game, again, it's at electionmadness.org. So you can get a group uh, together and uh, play against one another or, or try to beat me. That's fun. <laughs> well, thank you all for being with us. Uh, always a pleasure to be with uh, you, Charlie and Matt. Eric, thank you again. That's all the time we have on this edition of State of the State. My thanks again to Russ White and the staff at WKAR for their support of this program. Join us again next month on State of the State.